fill my water bottle. What's going on, Flames Nation, and welcome to the week two edition of the Sea of Red football podcast. And I am joined with the man who is all things Liberty football, a man who is all things a Sea of Red, John Manson. And first things first, Manson, how great does it feel to be 1-0? Man, that's what we all play for, right? That's what we've been working for and and uh, thinking about, talking about for months and finally get out of there with, with a dub is huge. I, I, I told you you were in town for the weekend, and, and uh, you can touch on that in a minute, but uh, I told you Saturday morning that I woke up and had knots in my stomach. I just wanted to, to get out of town with a victory, That get out of Williams Stadium with a victory. The team did that. Uh, it got a little dicey there in, in the second half after that blocked field goal that was returned for a touchdown, but at the end of the day, 1-0, that's all that matters. But uh, yeah, so you were you were in town. When was the last time you you've been to uh, Williams Stadium? Oh, so my last time at Williams Stadium was Homecoming 2016. So uh, it was a runaway win against Monmouth. I was uh, sitting up in the the high seat, so it was great to to come back, make my trip. I got in Friday. We had a great dinner with a bunch of people, and there definitely was that feeling of cautiousness going into the game. Of all right, we're here. It's actually here. Uh, and the game was awesome. The tailgate was awesome. Shout out to, to Dennis Fields and, and the Flames Rising Collective for putting together just a, a great environment, a great atmosphere. We had basketball players there. We had President Costin in the house. Uh, Mr. McCall was there. Uh, basketball player, a bunch of people from Liberty Twitter. I had my first cup of ironclad coffee. Uh, it was awesome. My first cup of coffee in general in the last 12 years. And the icing on the cake was a Liberty victory. And yes, it was a bit of a sweat at the end. But at the end of the day, Liberty came out 10-point winners, 34 to 22. And, you know, I, I do think, and I want to get your thoughts on it, uh, John, I don't think the game was as close as the score made it out to be. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, just that one play we talked about, the uh, block field goal return for a touchdown, that's a 10-point swing there. So so it could have easily been, instead of a 10-point game, a 20-point game. And then you also have to remember Liberty had the ball down inside the five and, and just kneeled on it the last couple of minutes. So that could have been some more points there. And, and uh, you know, there's you know a couple things that need to be cleaned up. And uh, I'm sure Coach Chadwell and the rest of the staff are working on that this uh, this week. And and, uh, you know, you get five turnovers. You love to get more points off of those turnovers than what ended up happening. Obviously, Kobe Singleton had that pick six, which is huge, and, and getting out the 24 nothing lead. But but also, I think it's good for this team to, to face a little bit of adversity, you know, have to, you know, claw back, fight back after getting kind of punched in the mouth a little bit by uh, Bowling Green there in the second quarter going into the halftime. So, uh, all in all, it was good. Obviously, get out of there with a win, non-conference game, and and things will begin to change this week uh, as we get ready for New Mexico State. No, absolutely. You said you know that one play really changed the the, the tide of the game. Uh, that fourth down where they scored the touchdown, another kind of big play that uh, made us all sweat a little bit more. Um, the vibe started to change from being up twenty-four nothing to. Uh, I think being up seven or 10 at half was kind of like, all right, let's uh, back to that cautious feeling that we had Saturday morning. But uh, John, you watched the game at the press box. I watched the game uh, at a cabana, cabana nine, shout out to cabana nine. But we have two people that are going to be joining us right now who had a much better view. Uh, we had, we got B coming in, uh, Brendan Schlittler, uh, Mr. 55, uh, who was on the sidelines and uh, Mr. Jason Porter, who was watching the game uh, in the press box with uh, Alan York doing play-by-play. And we are going to bring them on and uh, get their thoughts about the past couple days. What's up, fellas? Can you hear John? John, there we go. Oh, you got me. I was muted. How how we doing, Brendan, JP? How we doing tonight? Good, good, good. Doing good. So, Brendan, uh, take us through uh, game one, week one against uh, Bowling Green. You guys get out of there with a victory and a little different for you on the sidelines. Just take us through the uh, the day, the afternoon, what the emotions were like uh, as you were kind of cheering your team on from the sidelines. Yeah, so 12 o'clock kickoff, obviously, uh, things are starting early. And uh, as Richie said, there's a lot of un- unknowns and anticipations kind of high. Personally, this is the most, like, not knowing what I'm feeling – probably mentally since four years ago, uh, not playing and not, you know, not knowing what, what's going to go on with the new staff and how things are going to go. There's a lot of small details that uh, you're not going to know until they happen. So um, I was 12 o'clock kickoff. Weather was awesome. Um, just, again, seeing the game from a whole different perspective was unique. And But I, I couldn't be more proud of the guys, um, you know, go up 24 nothing and then kick – you know, get some adversity, and then how do you respond? That's that. That's the big question mark: is how are we going to respond? You got so many new guys, so many young guys, guys that are not experienced, and that's the one thing you're terrified of. And you you can practice that and practice that during fall camp, but you have no idea how they're going to respond until that first or second game when they get kicked in the teeth. So 
to have that point swing going into the second half and to have to put it away, I, I, I couldn't be more happy with how we responded. So it was a great day overall. Um, lots of things we can fix, which makes it exciting because you'd rather have a whole laundry list of things to fix with the win than a loss. So um, lots of momentum and optimism. But again, we got to get better every single week. Yeah, Brandon, congratulations on 1-0, and man. Um, something we, uh, John alluded to as we were opening here, you may have heard him say this, and this may be just be one of those armchair quarterbacks, and you may laugh at us for saying this, but John mentioned, and I think we even mentioned it during the broadcast a little bit, saying that sometimes not having a blowout in game one is actually a little bit better, fighting some adversity, having to come back, fight through it a little bit. That probably sounds crazy to maybe a lot of people, but – at least you're nodding your head in somewhat agreement. Explain to us why that actually does help a little bit, kind of forge some steel and, and you know, not have a 48 to nothing blowout and have to come back and protect that 24 nothing lead. Yeah, to your point, I think that's exactly correct, as long as you win. So um, I think adversity is awesome to face because you're going to face it at some point. And if you keep delaying it and keep delaying it, then it's going to get to bigger games and, like, you start – playing with fire whenever you haven't faced adversity and you're a couple games in and you, you get hit in the teeth. So it's a feeling when you, when the other team does something good or they score, or it's a close game. There's a feeling that you can't describe and you have to feel it a few times. So you know how to respond and you don't get that when you win 48, nothing, you get it when it's a one score game in the fourth quarter and you got to go out there and do what you do. So um, it's vital that you feel that it's vital that our young guys feel that and to get over that hump and to, to overcome that is huge. So now when we, that happens again next time, they'll be very confident, know that what they do works and that we just did it last week or however many weeks it is from here. So I agree completely. Hey, Brendan, I want to ask you about Chase Mitchell. I know he's a, a young lineman. It's kind of maturing a little bit and uh, got a lot of playing time, more playing time than he's gotten pretty much in his entire career on Saturday. And and I uh, had some good moments, but how much can that uh, – I know he's a guy that you've kind of taken under your wing a little bit and, and, and helped coach him up over his career, but how much can that uh, experience of getting those – uh, that many reps, that many plays under his belt, kind of help him as as he looks to to move on the rest of the year. He started at left tackle, played most of the game there. Also played some right tackle, and and then back to left tackle at the end of the game. But how much can that experience help him as he continues to uh, develop? Yeah, that kid's got a great career ahead of him. I couldn't be excited. He's just getting started. Um, there's a lot of things that come with playing a full game and being the starter and being the guy and having to feel the pain of. 60, 70, 80 plays, the highs and lows of a game that you don't get if you're not in that position. So to walk him through that and kind of guide him was was awesome. And um, once you get comfortable with those situations and you learn how your body works and how your mind works, what you got to do, what you can't do, and how you resp- your response to anything, is that's what matters the most. So how you respond throughout the game to anything that happens is, is the most exciting part I am for him because – He's got more natural talent than a lot of guys, and just he will get better every single week, and I couldn't be more excited. First play of the game, he took his guy 15 yards down the field and threw him in the dirt. So um, if that's not what he's capable of, then I, I'm just pumped for him. He's going to be getting better every single week, and he's hungry as heck too. So he's one of those guys that he's going to be a staple of that line for three years. So Glad he didn't get the penalty for excessive blocking, right? <laughs> no, he avoided it somehow. 
Yeah. Uh, Brandon, I think one of the cool st- uh, storylines, too, out of Saturday was uh, Coach Chadwell picking not, up not only his first victory at Liberty, but his 100th career victory. That's just, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a major milestone. Did you guys do anything or jump around a little bit more extra? I know you didn't jump around a whole lot in the locker room, but uh, what was the feel for, for Coach and just kind of getting that initial uh, initial win and kind of monkey off your back first thing? Yeah, as far as his 100th win, that's an incredible accomplishment, but as he said in the press conference, we didn't know until really after the game that that was on the line. Uh, we were focused on getting him his first flame win. So um, that win right there, that that's just glue for the locker room. That that's The trust is there. Um, and everyone's – if there's any questions about buying, after you get that first win, it's like, all right, this guy's legit. And the, the way he walked humbly with it and um, just led us – he was even keeled the whole game. I, I was – very impressed with how he handled the team and addressed certain things. And, um, but all that does is just create buy-in and optimism going forward that the trust is at an all time high after your first game and it's a win and it helps his message reach a lot more people with a lot more impact. Brendan, uh, tell us a little bit about RT Rogers, a proud sponsor of this live with five, five segment, uh, Liberty uh, alum owned company. So tell us a little bit about them. So R.T. Rogers is an oil company out of West Virginia, delivered to many surrounding states. Greg Rogers, owner and operator, uh, Liberty grad. He's a great man, uh, loves Flames football and supports us. Uh, they deliver all oil needs in several states. Heating, oil, and propane are the top ones. So uh, especially with the winter coming up, just keep that in mind. If you need them, give them a call. They'll, they'll find you wherever you're at and help you out. They've delivered to some pretty brutal places from what I've heard. So um, always reliable. Visit them at rtrogers.com for whatever your needs are. And Brendan, uh, this week, New Mexico State, I mean, it's the first conference game, first conference USA game uh, for the Flames. And first time, I believe, in your entire career at Liberty that that we'll be playing in a conference. Uh, How has, you know, intensity changed this week? Has it changed? Uh, How different is it as the teams, you know, going through the grind right now, preparing for a, you know, conference opener? Yeah, first conference game ever has more weight than anything we've probably ever played besides some of the bigger games, uh, Power 5 games and bowl games, arguably. Um, so I think there's a whole new element to this. And Coach Chabell's taken the approach of, you know, we're not even – this is not even a revenge tour or revenge game. We've got 55% new guys. This is all about us. And uh, just doing what we do, doing our job and trusting each other, and that's going to be enough. So um, – we're not really – everyone knows what happened last year, but um, there was obviously a lot of things that were going on, and we're just ready for a fresh start to focus on us and to be bought in with the guys that want to be there. So, Yeah, I think uh, if anyone's looking for some offensive football Saturday night, it should be uh, at Williams Stadium. I think, Brendan, yes. we're looking at uh, what they've got. They've averaged about 400 yards in their last – or I'm sorry, we've averaged about 400 yards in our last few games. They've put up almost 554 yards on average, so – should be uh, should be a lot of offense in the stadium. What are you guys seeing on film so far? Defensively, they love to uh, bring their mic on their will, their mic in their Sam. I uh, like to plug the middle up. They got a couple packages with four down, three down, so they got some big bodies up front. Um, obviously, they gave us some trouble last season, so a lot of respect going into that game. But uh, it also helps we have two games of film versus them having one game on us. They've obviously had to show their cards a little bit more than we have, so. Um, but again, early in the season, you're going to see stuff you're not expecting. Um, it's not like it's week eight or nine where you have so many games and they've kind of had to 
you know, show their whole playbook to, to gut out some wins. So just practicing all of the looks we could potentially see is a big thing because specifically last week going into the first game, we, we were expecting certain things and different things happened. So that's how it is at the beginning of the year. And you have to say even keeled and adjust. That's the biggest thing. So but great respect for them. But um, I think they'll be blitzing a decent amount up the middle. So we'll see if we can get the ball on the edge and let our speedy guys do what they do. Well, Brendan, thanks as always for coming on and joining us. I know as a big Liberty fan and alum myself, I'm hoping to get some payback for what happened uh, last November when these guys were here. But uh, thanks always, Brendan, and, and we'll be catching up with you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, Dave. So, Jason, uh, tell me a little bit about some uh, commercial real estate. What you guys got going on with that? Yeah, so uh, I think I mentioned before we do an awful lot of commercial real estate as well as residential real estate. So I uh, I busted out. Watch out, watch out. Richie's gonna love this. Doctor Porter in the house. Uh, I wanted to show a little bit of math here. With uh, I actually took a couple of phone calls today just about how it is that you set up a commercial lease, what it looks like. So just a couple things that you need to be aware of. Um, first thing is you want to know about square footage. We're going to say that this space you're looking at is about 1,500 square feet. And the second thing you've got to know is how much the landlord's charging in price per square foot. So we're going to say $20 a square foot in this case. So our simple math brings us to $30,000. Oh man, this is backwards. I'm going to knock myself out of the shot, which is probably a blessing for a lot of people. But that 30 grand, of course, is over 12 months. So when you divide that by 12 months, your actual payment then is $2,500 a month. So if you're looking at something for a commercial property for you, for a business, um, maybe expanding your business or whatever, like I said, we do a lot of commercial real estate, but just a little snippet of how it is that you actually figure out the math in a lease and a rental price. And there's some other nuances, of course, that go on with something called CAM, common area maintenance, which is kind of like the commercial version of HOA. But just a little teaser there. I'd love to help anybody out. Contact information is all over the page here. So hit me up if I can help you. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate you. How was, uh, how was it up in the booth with AY? Fantastic. Uh, I had a blast. I, I told everybody my, my catchphrase is I've got a lot to learn. Um, it was fast paced. AY is a constant professional as is Nick down on the field and uh, they're, they're great to train under, uh, but it was, it, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Looking forward to listening to you some when the flames are on the road and I'm not there in person, but uh, as always, thank you, Jason, for your, uh, your support of the show, your support of the flames. Uh, everyone listen, be sure to reach out to Jason for any uh, real estate needs you may have. Uh, his information is all over the screen. Jason Porter, real estate at gmail.com as well. Thanks so much, Jason. We'll talk soon. Thanks, John. All right, let's get uh, Richie back in here. I wasn't ready to do math on a Tuesday night. I, I should because uh, school is uh, getting started shortly. But we're keeping it rolling here, and we have our next guest joining us this evening. He is a former little bit of everything at Liberty. Uh, if you are watching live, you can see he's here. If you are listening later on, uh, and if you are watching live, make sure you are subscribed, like, retweet, all that good stuff. Uh, follow us uh, on socials. And, again, uh, you can see him if you're watching live or watching later on. And if you are listening, we are joined by with Kyle DeArmond. Good evening. How What's we doing, up, Kyle? Today? How's it going? Hey, it's a beautiful night. How you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. Did you get to watch uh, week one live? Uh, how busy are you? You were able to watch the Flames live this week, this past week? I, I did. I was able to watch the Flames live and then rewatched it again last night. And uh, it's good to... Uh, Good to be able to watch them on uh, on cable, CBS Sports, which the the announcers are a little, you know, a little questionable. 
especially when uh, they start the broadcast by saying that although it's Liberty's first year in Conference USA, they're looking to compete for a championship. But hmm, that's interesting. They don't really know much about Conference USA and the teams that are in it, and the, I guess Liberty and who we've played in the last, you know, five years or so. But yeah, it was good. No, it absolutely was. Um, I did get a chance to go back as well to listen to it. Luckily, CBS put it on YouTube because I didn't get a chance to hear really the commentators, but I too noticed right away. I went, Ugh, that's the CBS is going to roll out. But we're going to talk about a lot of stuff with Kyle. They, they were better. They were better than the announcers for the Connecticut game last year. I don't know if anybody yes. remembers how absolutely brutal that was. Uh, oh, yeah. Most of the time, you know, you just try to like, pause it or try to get your, uh, your TV in sync with Alan and, uh, crew in the in the booth that that's normally the way i like to watch it no absolutely and and i remember though i think it was the jacksonville basketball game uh so there was there was we, we we've seen some bad uh play-by-play announcers but you know it's only going to get better uh as the season goes on but kyle going to talk about a lot of different things tonight but give us your first thoughts overall view uh coming out of bowling state what went well uh what do you think could have gone better what's going to some key points to be going forward yeah, I mean, I thought that uh, obviously defense played really well. Um, you know, the linebackers, Tyron and, and Jolly, played outstanding. I think it's fun to watch guys who haven't been playing a ton prior to the season step up in the first game. I mean, there's a lot of nerves that come with that, uh, especially when you haven't seen as many live bullets as they did. Two guys that have played a lot, but to, to have the responsibility of starting and, and running that defense was, you know, is tough. And I think that, uh, you know, the way that you always want your linebackers to lead your team in tackles. And, and the way that happens is that the defensive line plays well. And so, although there wasn't a ton of, you know, highlight plays from the D line, anytime the, the D line can take two blockers and they can make the offensive line, not be able to get to the second level. It opens up, you know, the, the areas for the linebackers to make the tackles. And that's what we saw on Saturday. So defense played great. Um, you know, I think Jolly and, and Dupree had 16 tackles, tackle for loss, pass breakup, and then Jolly obviously had the two interceptions. So that was fun to watch. Um, really impressed with Caden and how he was able to protect the football. Got to work on his ball security a little bit when he's running. Uh, that was a little scary. It's always scary as a coach when you put that on film because now you know that they're going to come after him and they're going to try to strip the ball. He's a slight guy, so he's not like Malik trying to take down. He can make you miss in space, but – if they get one person on him and hold him up, you know, those other people are definitely going to be coming in and try to try to get the ball. Um, and then special teams, you know, there were some miscues on special teams that we, you know, obviously you wish you don't see the blocked field goal. Um, I think one of the punts hit, hit one of the, um, you know, one of our players and that could have been, that could have been terrible. So, um, you know, there's good and bad things on both sides, but for game one, I thought it was, you know, really clean and really impressed by, Coach Chadwell and his staff uh, getting those guys ready to play. Yeah, it feels like, you know, Liberty's had struggles at kicker for several years now. It's uh, unfortunate. I haven't been able to get that consistent guy. Nick Brown did a good job last year, a little inconsistent at times. And I was a little surprised to see Tegan go out there and, and be the, the number one guy up. I thought he might have been. Uh, probably go back to Nick Brown is kind of what I thought was going to happen. But, you know, Tegan, he, he seemed to hit the ball pretty good, maybe a little low on the one that got blocked. Looked like the line kind of really pushed 
made, had a strong push against our, our our front line, and that probably was the main reason for that block. But yeah, I, I agree with what you were saying there, Kyle, about uh, Caden. I mean, I, it seemed like a lot of growth he made, and, and Coach Chad will talk about it after the game, and and just getting in the playbook and, and learning the playbook, learning the offense, putting that extra work in to to kind of take his game to that next level. And and I think you know, kind of like. You know, Brendan and I were talking there just a minute ago with Chase Mitchell getting those, you know, a lot of reps for the first time uh, this past week. You know, I think Caden, too. I mean, yeah, he played a lot last year, but this was the first time uh, that he had multiple weeks, you know, of practices going into a game that he knew he was the guy. He knew he was the number one guy. And and I think he he took a big, big step there as far as his uh, his grasp of the offense, his grasp of of taking ownership of the team, taking ownership of the offense. That's definitely something you want to see as as a quarterback. Uh, Kyle, as a former you know quarterback wide receiver yourself, former coach, uh, did you kind of see that? I mean, is it that's probably something that's hard to to pick up through a TV screen? But but were you able to see some some signs that shows that Caden's kind of taking the next step in his maturity as far as uh, you know being a leader on the field for this team? Yeah, I mean, listening to his post game and listening to Coach Chadwell, and then watching watching the game back uh, twice, you know, you you see that there are times where he needs to check at the line of scrimmage, where he needs to make sure that you know if they're trying to run something towards the three technique or towards the shade on the center, you know, it looked like he was making those checks, which is which is huge because that means that he's seeing the defense, he's seeing what front they're in, and then he's adjusting the play accordingly so that was really good to see uh him make those strides you know of course there's probably things that he can he can do better hey hand the ball off in this rpo uh on this rpo play you know don't don't pull it and throw it you know there's certain things i'm sure that when the coaches watched film there's so many things that he can continue to get better get better at but yeah it was awesome to see him go out there and play i mean he's an unbelievable athlete we saw that uh when he was practicing when he was ineligible um i mean you know, he's just, he's a great athlete and for him to put that mental piece uh, together and to start, you know, stacking days on top of each other uh, is huge because that's what you have to do at the quarterback position. I think uh, coach corn said it, you know, it's not, it's a it, playing quarterback is a lifestyle. So it's not just like, Hey, you get to go out there at practice. And when you're at practice, that's when you play the position, you know, you get your name on everything. It's, it's day in and day out, him going in the film room, studying, you know, knowing the opponents that he's going to go up against, knowing the fronts, knowing the coverages. Uh, and it's important because every week is different. So even though you got to win this week and even though you played well, you have to continue to do it. And that's one thing that Chadwell hit on. Uh, and I think that that's probably something that the coaching staff is continuing to, to put in his mind of, hey, good job. Now let's do it again. It's not, hey, great. Awesome. You, you did it. You finally arrived. You started your first game or, you know, played all the snaps and you've solidified yourself as a starter. Now, you know, go, go back to being a freshman and a little immature and just doing what you're doing. I mean, it's, it's a tough position to play. I think it's the hardest position in sports. And there's a reason why very few guys make it to the NFL at that position because it's so difficult. And so it'll be interesting. And uh, I'm excited to see him uh, come out this week and hopefully he's preparing as we're, as we're speaking and uh, you know, get ready to play New Mexico state. I, I definitely agree with that. It's going to be interesting because last year, Caden uh, had his coming out party, so to speak, against Wake Forest, but he got hurt during that game. So then became the injury bug that kind of, then we were back and forth playing hot potato. So I am excited to see 
uh, him moving forward. I do want to give a shout out to a name before we move in and start talking about some of the New Mexico State, but I was so impressed with Vaughn Blue. And that was a name that pretty much everyone that came on the show for our preview week said, they can't keep this guy off this field. In a perfect world, it would be, it would be great to redshirt him, but he absolutely stood out, uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, running the ball. Any thoughts, anything you saw with that, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, you said it. Having a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield is huge because, you know, he's big enough to pass protect. Uh, he can run through the tackles and he can get out in space and and make catches. And so that is that is huge. Uh, you know, it's it's fun to see. And I agree with you. Hearing everybody talk about how good this kid is um, and finally being able to watch him, he doesn't look like a freshman either. I mean, he's put together uh, like he is a sophomore or junior, and he's been in the strength program for a couple of years. So, um, yeah, really, really impressed by that kid and uh, excited to see him continue to get better because that's one that, uh, you know, we might need to talk to Chad about throwing a little cash at to make sure that we can hold on to him here in the future. Yeah, he's, oh. he's definitely a, a talented guy and someone we want to keep keep around for a while. And, and the first time I remember I saw him in the spring at, at uh, spring practice and I mean, he just does, like you said, he doesn't even look like a freshman. He's built like like a man, they say. Right. But, uh, you, you know, I want to look at New Mexico State here in the time we got left with you, Kyle. And and I, I know, like many of you listening, I was in the stadium there back in November and and uh, I was in the indoor practice facility doing the whole Flames Fan Fest thing, Flames Fest thing uh, with other fans and had the big screen on the board with college game day and it flashes up on there. Pete Thamel's report about Freeze likely going to Auburn burn and that just kind of derailed the entire day and we heard about the team uh you know heard about the news on the bus ride over to the stadium and and there were some conversations in the locker room a player or two or, or a group of them approached coach freeze about it and and uh, asked him about it and he did not deny the reports and then the team just was flat you know on the field and and it was really Frankly, I was in Paris myself as a Liberty fan, uh, and, and I felt bad for the players. Um, you know, and, and I'm wondering how much of that, you know, they're still carrying with them as, as they prepare this week. You know, again, you got half the team is new. You got a new coaching staff, and and all that. And conference play is now a factor in it. But I wonder how much of that is uh, is kind of you know in the back of their minds, like some of the guys that were there last year. Uh, what do you think about that, Kyle? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, from I was trying to think of teams that we played under Gill that we then played around, you know, played under Freeze and New Mexico State was one of those. And, you know, it's honestly it is when you have a coaching change. I mean, it's your mind is basically erased from the year before. I mean, you might have some guys that are like there's certain people, you know, maybe a DB got beat deep by a, a receiver or, you know, the running back made somebody miss and and they want to you know, go out there and make a statement. But, you know, Brendan said it before, and I totally agree. I mean, it's not really a revenge game because there's so many guys on the team that are are so new. You know, it's not something that Chadwell's talking about. Like, hey, guys, remember this last year? Like, remember, you know, because there were so many things that were going on. It's not like we were all fired up and we came out and we got beat by a team that was – they were better than us that day, but – there were so many external things that were going on, you know, infighting in the locker room. I mean, the, the stuff that happened is just nightmare scenario for a football team to be, go out and play their best game. You know, you're already bowl eligible at that point. I mean, there's so many things going through those kids' minds. 
you know, it's hard enough to keep an 18 to 22 year old kid uh, their attention on a game for three and a half hours without looking up in the stands and like waving to their girlfriend or something. I mean, you throw everything else that happened and on top of it, it's just like, hey, good luck, guys. You know, I mean, New Mexico State had a leg up uh, going into that game. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a revenge game or anything like that because of the new staff. And I think Chadwell is probably preaching it like, hey, game one of Conference USA, you know, what are we going to do? And I think on the flip side, all that the win last year definitely gave New Mexico State confidence going into this week. I mean, that's how it should be looked at. Like, it's not firing us up. You know, we're fired up to play another game and to flip play first game in Conference USA. They've already come into Williams Stadium and they've already beat Liberty. You know, Liberty's, I think I saw they were 20 or were 25 and six since being an FBS team in Williams Stadium. And one of those six losses is to New Mexico State. So, I mean, they have the confidence to come in and to beat us if we are not ready to play. And, you know, I know that their coaching staff is telling them that, um, hey, we've done it before. There's not, you don't need to worry about the fans. I mean, the fans are going to be different this year than they were uh, Thanksgiving game for sure. You know, so that'll be a new experience for them. But yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's probably being preached as first game in conference USA, the first conference opponent that a lot of these kids have ever played. Um, and I'm sure that Chadwell is approaching this differently than even game one because it is conference. You know, I remember when I played under Rocco, I mean, we used to always see, he'd always pull up when we played a big South opponent, he'd pull up all the big South games from the week before he'd show standings, he'd show where everybody was. And, you know, and at that time we were, we were winning and we were at the, the front of the pack, but it was, everybody was chasing us. Everybody, everybody was chasing Liberty. And I, I don't think that's going to be any different now that we're in the conference, in conference USA. I think everybody's going to be chasing Liberty and everybody wants to get that win. You know, Liberty's won a big, a lot of big games over the past, you know, three, four years. And so to come into Williams stadium and to uh, get a win conference win is huge. So I don't think Liberty needs any uh, extra motivation. I don't think New Mexico state does either. No, totally. And it really is going to be interesting to see how, you know, the team's, Start off the game. Those first few drives, I think, are going to be so crucial. Uh, I did a deep dive into New Mexico State, so some of the on-the-field stuff. Uh, they are 1-1 one one this year. They have lost uh, to UMass 41-30. to Let up a lot of points uh, against UMass, and then they beat a team that's allegedly WIU, Western Illinois. That, they're purple and yellow, according to ESPN. Hey, the Leathernecks. Uh, I'll take your word for it. Uh, they gave up 21 points to them, but... As, as, as uh, Jason Porter mentioned earlier, this is going to be an offensive game. Uh, you, uh, New Mexico State, they are a big play offensive team. They had three touchdowns last week, uh, 60 yards or more, and they had one touchdown against UMass that was 40 yards and another 80-yard touchdown uh, as well against UMass. So thoughts about that. We, didn't, we, we, we did not see Bowling Green go for big plays too much. Uh, when they did, we, we kind of shut that down a little bit. That fourth down touchdown uh, definitely hurt. Could have been a fluke play, but thoughts on how we're going to match up with uh, a team that defensively, like I said, just gave up 41 to UMass, just gave up 21 to an FCS team. Well, what can we expect to see on the field uh, Saturday evening? Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody obviously is saying, hey, it's going to be an offensive shootout, but we got to definitely, uh, you know, give credit to our defense. We still have a lot of good defensive players, and I think a lot of players that they have not seen yet when it comes to, like, a UMass. And, you know, I know everybody has transfers and, and, and stuff like that, but 
you know, I think our defense, we have to get after the quarterback. We have to get after that kid. He's a really, he's really talented, but, you know, I think that they'll bring, um, you know, different pressures, simulated pressures. They'll bring, you know, blitzes. They'll bring people from the secondary. So keep him off balance and keep him off balance early. You know, I think that's really, really important to do. And then on the offensive side, you got to protect K-Salt. You know, I think that, you know, as a coach, you always want to stay out of second and long because second and long is like the hardest play to call. I mean, what do you do? You call a pass play and then you get to third and 10 because it's an incomplete. And then third and 10 is even tougher, you know? So in order to stay out of second and long, what do you got to do? You got to be efficient on first down. We be, or if we're efficient on first down, you know, you, you keep the game in third and medium to third and short on an offensive side. Then you have your entire playbook at your disposal. You can run the football, you can play action, you can get case salt out of the pocket. If we get stuck in third and long, that means that this is probably some drop back pass game, which means what New Mexico state can heat up Caden. Caden hasn't seen a ton of pressure and he hasn't had to drop back pass and, and he hasn't seen a lot of that in his career. So we have to stay out of third and long. Um, and I'm sure they're working on, you know, those packages, but I think if we stay out of third and long, uh, we can protect Caden by, keeping the defense off balance, you know, play action, like I said, get them out of the pocket, then I think we can be successful on offense. Um, and it, again, you you play a team like this, we've seen Jamie Chadwell teams be able to run the football and run the clock and maintain possession and not give them the football and have let them have a ton of possessions. So I think that they'll do that too. They'll try to run the, run the ball a lot, let the clock run, you know, try to just bully ball them a little bit and just try to run it down their throat as much as they can. Uh, and then special teams wise, obviously, you know, first field goal is going to be important. Got to, got to protect, you know, field goal is like the toughest thing to replicate in the off season, because how many times do you want that collision happening before, between your, your starting defensive line and your starting offensive line? I mean, those collisions are brutal and it's just, it's just hard to, it's hard to replicate that. So hopefully now they got the, the first one, you know, first game under their belt with that, but. Uh, we won't see any more blocks, but I think those are some keys, and I'm excited to to watch the guys go out there and excited to see Williams Stadium fill up with the first you know evening game of the year, and uh, hopefully we pack it out like you know somebody asked Chadwell at the uh, in the press conference like, hey, were you impressed? You know, what do you think about the, the the fans? And you know, he gave the the Baptist crowd the shout out and gave the students the shout out, but said, hey, we seat 25,000, we want 25,000. So you know, if you're in the area. And get to the game. I would love to be at a place where I could drive three, four hours and get to Lynchburg and, and be able to watch the Flames play. Not where I'm at right now in life, but hey, it's all good. I can support from uh, I can support from Texas. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate having you on. And uh, let's let's get this word from uh, Quentin Reese and Ironclad Coffee, who is at the tailgate. And, and Richie, you uh, you tried some of their cold brew, but. Uh, they're making their rounds or, or way uh, around uh, Liberty uh, Athletics. Virginia's best and most flames-friendly coffee comes from Ironclad Coffee Roasters. Ironclad Roasters serves up their beautiful beans at two cafes in Richmond, where you can enjoy their craft roasted specialty beans anywhere in the country by visiting www.ironcladcoffee.com. Place your order there, and it will be directly shipped to your doorstep. Whenever you find yourself in the capital of the Commonwealth, pay them a visit at one of the two cafes in the Richmond area. Iron Class owners, the O'Rourke family, are proud Flames Club members and season ticket holders. And now they're pleased to sponsor the podcast from a CRA. Hop over to www.ironcladcoffee.com now to get your Virginia's best specialty coffee headed your way.
I had two cups of ironclad coffee myself at the tailgate. Uh, as I said, they were the first cups of coffee I had had since 2011. And I tried to take a video at kickoff and I was like, oh yeah, this stuff, this stuff hit the right way. I actually had the opportunity to pour a cup of coffee for Dr. Towns. Uh, that was awesome. Like I said, we had a little bit of everyone uh, at our tailgate and the, fir the first lady of Liberty was there. She enjoyed some wants yep. to come back and, and, uh, the first lady of, uh, Liberty football, Mrs. Chadwell. Uh, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. She's also wanting some, uh, ironclad coffee and may stop by the, uh, the, uh, um, tailgate this weekend and partake in some. And we had it all. We had a little bit of cold brew. We had some of the hot stuff. So if you are a, a fan of coffee, definitely swing by that tailgate. Saturday, 6 p.m., and I love that. I feel like every every season there's something big about a football game, something that's brand new when it comes to, to Liberty football, and this year, obviously, is the big season, our first year in Conference USA, and our first game in that conference against New Mexico State. Now, Conference USA, it's going to be fun to watch. We've never had this opportunity before where we're looking at other games with purpose where we're looking and rooting for others, other teams to win and other teams to lose. And uh, we're, uh, we're, we're two weeks in, three if you, you count week zero. John, what has stuck out to you so far? What surprised you with Conference USA? What, 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 are, what are your thoughts on uh, the first couple of weeks? The one team, and I don't know if surprise is the right word, but the one team that's kind of you know jumped off the page to me so far through the first two games is, is uh, Jacksonville State. I mean, they opened up at home. Uh, I picked them to win uh, against uh, UTEP in the season opener, conference opener, and uh, looked really good, I thought, especially as an FCS transitioning team, uh, first year at the FBS level, first year at uh, Conference USA. And, uh, you know, they look good, and then they put a hurting on an FCS team this past weekend. And uh, I'm really looking forward. They got Coastal Carolina in Conway this week. Um, I'm really looking forward to that game. That, that'll tell us a lot about Jacksonville State, I think. Uh, if they're able to go in there and pick up a win, we know they're, they're legit and they're for real. And you got to remember when Liberty plays them, it's coming off of a very short rest, just five-day turnaround, a Thursday to a Tuesday on the road. That's one of Liberty's toughest games uh, in my opinion. But, but the Gamecocks, Rich Rodriguez, their head coach, they got a very dynamic quarterback, uh, some really good skill players there. Um, they're, they're a team to, to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm moving them up to third in my power rankings this week. I feel like behind Western Kentucky and Liberty, they're the one team that's kind of uh, stood out a little bit from the rest of the pack so far. Absolutely, and it's it's tough. We don't have a great gauge on Middle Tennessee yet. They just played Alabama. Alabama hung a 50-burger on them. I was kind of surprised Sam Houston State losing 14 uh, nothing to, to BYU. I, I had a good feeling about them going into this year. Yes, it's one game. Uh, BYU, Alfama Towns. Yeah, I'd be nervous about letting me pour coffee as well. But no, I was extraordinarily behaved uh, at the tailgate, Reverend Dr. Matthews. But uh, again, uh, surprised about Sam Houston State. But again, they're going into to BYU and they had a uh, tough game. BYU was amped up their uh, first season in the Big 12. Uh, Western Kentucky, it was close that first quarter with USF. They were down 14 at one point. Uh, they had an injury to their star wide receiver. I don't know the status on him. Obviously, we, we hope he's okay, but that's going to be interesting to look at going forward. La Tech lost 
to SMU. Not a shellacking, but uh, they lost outright. But coming into week two, that, like you said, that Jacksonville Coastal game, that's going to have some Flame fans torn. That is going to be uh, a tough one. It's a high point spread. Uh, not a ton of conference versus conference. I think there's, I think just one conference uh, matchup this week. Uh, Western Kentucky, easy game against Houston Christian. That's a team. Uh, Middle Tennessee State, the SEC run uh, continues against uh, Missouri. But uh, once we get into October, I think we're going to have uh, a better picture at what our conference is going to look like. Once we start uh, facing off against conference foes, other people are facing uh, uh, off against conference foes, and it's not that. Uh, what's up? Shout out, Mrs. Salter. I uh, got a chance to touch base with you. Uh, before the game, it was always great to see uh, you and Mr. Salter. Uh, hope to see you definitely at some more games this year. But, uh, again, big, big Conference USA uh, for matchup for Liberty coming up. It really is going to set the tone. You, you want to get that first win, whether it's regular season, conference play, anything like that. But, uh, John, any last words when it comes to Conference USA and you know what's going on in our uh, neck of the woods? Yeah, another team that kind of, you know, has, I guess, on the opposite end of the spectrum from Jacksonville State is FIU. They were a team second year under Coach McIntyre. I, I thought they were going to take a step forward, kind of be in the middle of the pack. Uh, but right now, I think they're kind of you got to put them at the bottom uh, looking up for, for now. And again, it's early. You're only two weeks in. Uh, you know, for them, they've played two games already. They they played pretty good against Louisiana Tech. I mean, you know, again, they only had four passing yards that game, so it's hard to say they played good. But they they were competitive and leading a lot of that game, and La Tech came back and, and pulled away from them there in the second half. But then, you know, they snuck out, what was it, 14 to 12 against Maine on Saturday and and uh, just didn't look good. So, so that's a team. Uh, I'm planning on making the trip down there. I'm hoping that, that – well, I always hope Liberty wins, right? But I still hope it's uh, somewhat co of a competitive game. And and uh, FIU's a team that that has kind of been a little disappointing, I think. And I think their fans would say the same uh, through the first couple of games for them. Yeah, and they face off against UConn this week, so not the, the not the easiest opponent in the world. So uh, going to be interested interested to see how these teams approach uh, the non conference schedule. You know how how much are those players going to be into it? If they're 0 and 3, 0 and 4, when they go into conference USA play, are they going to be able to get up? And that's where coaching is going to be such an important piece of everything. So we mentioned that Jacksonville state game, interesting game because the spread was 13 and a half. Uh, and of course we'll close our show chatting about a little gambling, chatting about some picks. Uh, however, it's going to be a little different this week because our main man CT he is in the Bahamas, but have no fear. Uh, he has recorded a little video. Uh, we're going to play it for y'all, and then John and I are going to give some of our thoughts, and uh, we're going to head it home. So, CT, let's hear it from you live, not live, recorded from the Bahamas. Terrible again last week, one and four, two and six on the season. Um, I'm gonna go short and sweet. I have three plays, maybe three winners. We won't be that confident right now though. 
first one going back to a teaser that hit last week. So I'm going JMU down to minus one uh, on the road at Virginia. And then Georgia Southern going down to minus one and a half at home against UAB. Um, it's really just, I don't think UVA is very good. I think JMU regresses some from last year, but they still have enough to get it done as well. At UAB, Trent Dilfer is the coach now. He came from Lipscomb Academy, um, but he has no college experience. The rest of his coaching staff does not have any college coaching experience as well. I'm going to fade them a lot this season. So go ahead, give me that two-team teaser, JMU and Georgia Southern. Second play, I'm going UTEP, minus one and a half against Northwestern. Love this play. Group of five team on the road at a power five team, and they are a favorite. Northwestern is terrible, but still with that line, I have to take UTEP. And finally, I have a 14 parlay, a money line parlay. It gets us to a nice plus 120, and I love it as well. We're going Liberty, we're going UTSA, we're going UCLA, and we're going Houston. Those four teams get the job done for us and get us a nice plus money play. So got to see some get through the hoop, um, get back on track so I can uh, and just enjoy this vacation that I don't deserve right now. Uh, but signing off, um, I can't wait for next week. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, we're returning from a 3-0 card. So, see y'all. All right, shout out CT getting those picks in, uh, even when he's on vacation. I've been to the Bahamas before. Uh, shout out JVP, also in the Bahamas this week. It must be a, a popular time to get down there. Uh, so, Liberty this week, New Mexico State, opened up minus 12, minus 12 and a half point favorites against New Mexico State, but that line is starting to move towards New Mexico State. Last I saw was 10 and a half, 10, uh, with an over-under that I think was in the 50s, and rightfully so. Uh, John, thoughts on that opening game, that number, a little bit of movement, any surprises? Yeah, I mean, when I first saw the number at 12 and a half, I thought it was a little high. Uh, coming down to 10 and a half, I feel a little bit better. That is my pick this week, taking Liberty uh, and the points. Uh, but, you know, it, it – you, you never know. Like, you really don't know. We There's still a big question mark about this Liberty team uh, as far as how they match up with some of these other teams. New Mexico State, you know, they got that loss to UMass. I was really down on them after them. I think uh, some of the computer numbers, Vegas as well, odds makers are down on them after that too. But I think UMass is a, is a much improved team this year. I think they'll they'll show that over the course of the year, and, and they'll win a few games, four, five, six games, something like that. So, uh, you, you know, 10 points is still a lot. Uh, I, I know you're, you're kind of staying away from the line this week, and, and uh, I think you got the over. Is that your play? I do like the over. 53 and a half. Um, great number. I, I definitely can see this being a 35-21 uh, type game, and that gives you a three-point cushion right there. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not shout out the kicker for uh, making a great – what was his name? Tegan? Tegan. Tegan Linderink, I think is how you say his last name. He made – what I would call as maybe the greatest field goal uh, of the season so far for any team uh, late at the end of the game. Uh, so shout out to him because we were able to uh, cash Liberty minus nine and a half and the over. When I walked out of the cabana, someone shouted, uh, that's how you cover the spread. So I thought that that was a, a funny thing to hear uh, at a Liberty game. So while Liberty's going on, and again, I uh, definitely interested to see how this line moves throughout the rest of the week, but there's a big game. Uh, on Saturday night. Uh, it is going to be on ESPN. Uh, you know how big of a game this is when NBC, the game that they're putting out, is going to be Charlotte against Maryland. So 
even NBC has conceded and said, you know what? We're not going to try to go head to head. We are going to just sacrifice uh, one of our lower level teams against a, uh, a, a G5 team uh, because they don't want to go up against Alabama, Texas. Now, Alabama coming off a uh, pretty easy win, 56 to 7. Uh, they're currently seven point favorites against Texas. And this game has been circled on everyone's calendar for week two. And John, I want to jump in. What are your thoughts? Man, I really don't know. Like tech, I keep thinking Texas is going to, this is going to be their year. This is going to be the year. I feel like I've said that, you know, for a decade or more now, and and it just never has been, but uh, will this year be the year? I I think uh, they're a lot better than they have been. Uh, but are they Alabama good? I guess we'll find out Saturday night. I mean, I my play is I got Texas plus seven. Uh, I think that's a lot of points, uh, even against an Alabama for for Texas uh, to give up. So I, I like the Longhorns covering here. I know CT has got them on the money line as his play, uh, but but again, this is not a game I feel very confident in either way. Uh, you know, what, what do you think, Richie? I like Texas. I'm a huge believer in in Quinn Ewers. He was one of the highest rated quarterbacks ever to come out of high school. Uh, so, and, and like I said, I've been a believer in him since he was a senior in high school. Alabama has some injuries in their secondary right now. Uh, I'm sure they're going to play. I mean, it's Nick Saban, let's be real. Uh, but that is something to keep an eye on. I do like Texas. Uh, this could be the Texas is back, the Texas is coming back moment. Jaden Milrose started a quarterback uh, for Alabama. Let's see what happens when he plays an FBS, a top 10 team defense. Uh, and not saying Texas has a top 10 defense, but a team uh, that's made up of, of solid players. So I'm a fan of Texas uh, plus seven as well. Last game we're going to touch on, John, when we've talked about this game already. Uh, Jacksonville State, Coastal Carolina. Uh, Jacksonville State is getting 13 and a half points. Uh, thoughts on that game's at Coastal, if that makes a difference for you. But what do you think here? Yeah, and I think I said this uh, our first uh, episode of the season uh, back in week zero. I think Jacksonville State, Sam Houston State as well are both teams that we're going to be able to, uh, uh, you know, get some values in uh, early in the season as the computers and Vegas catch up to how good these teams are. And and the numbers have already kind of adjusted a little bit towards Jacksonville State's favor. But I think 13 points is too much for them. They're, they're a strong team. Like I said, they got a strong quarterback play, uh, some strong skill positions. They got a good defense. You know that Rich Rod offense as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be able to score some points. I'm not sure this is – you know, this is not the same Coastal Carolina team we've seen the last few years. That offense is not – the same Jamie Chadwell-led Coastal Carolina offense. Uh, they got Grayson McCall back, yes, but I, I don't think they're going to put up the same amount of production uh, that they've had in the past. I think they'll they'll struggle to protect him, uh, keep that pocket clean for him. So I think 13 points even on the road, that's too big of a number for Jacksonville State. Give me the Gamecocks plus. I'm not going to take the Beach Chickens anyways, so give me the Gamecocks. Exactly. Uh, sometimes it's good to root for your conference USA foes, but I agree. I think any anything in the double digits you got to take. Week two is a great week to take underdogs because everyone's overreacting. Everyone's hammering favorites. That's where all the money's going. So uh, I'm in on uh, Jacksonville State. We are going to get a little graphic out to everyone before the end of the week that shows off uh, some of our picks and hopefully we move uh, in the in a better direction than we have been. Now, obviously, Liberty football, great to start off the season with a win 1-0, and but there's a lot of other teams that are still holding on to that zero. 
and we're going to kick things over to our main man, Zeke, who's going to give us a little bit more information about what's going on in all of Liberty Athletics, and he's going to do it in under 71 seconds. What's up, guys? It's Zach, and we are back with the weekly Liberty Sports Recap. The Flames are hot. Liberty is 20-1 in all sports, so let's get it started with the recap. Field Hockey defeats number 6 UVA in Charlottesville 3-1 and follows that up with a win over American in a penalty shootout, 2-1 in the PK shootout. The Lady Flames are 4-0. We're a field hockey school, plain and simple. Up next, the Lady Flames will face number 13 Harvard on Friday in Lynchburg. Women's soccer. They've perhaps had the best start to any team this season. They started off their year defeating Longwood 2-1 and then followed that up with a win against West Virginia 3-1. That win over West Virginia is they're the defending Big 12 champs and that's Liberty's first win over a Big 12 school. Um, Liberty has the longest unbeaten streak in the nation. They haven't lost since September 11, 2022. That win streak, of course, only including the regular season, but the Lady Flames are 6-0. Up next for them, they have Queens on Thursday on the road, and then will travel to Marshall on the road Sunday. Volleyball is still undefeated. They defeated High Point 3-2, Yale 3-1, and then Army 3-0. They will travel to Hawaii for the first time in program history for the Outrigger Challenge, and will face Hawaii, UCLA, and Pepperdine. Men's soccer unfortunately fell to UMBC last week for the first loss of the athletic season, but they rebounded with a win in Maryland over Navy, defeating the midshipmen 2-1. Up next, they'll host Longwood next Tuesday in Farmville. Cross country, the men's team won the eye-opener invitational. The women came in third. Um, The Lady Flames will return to action September 23rd at the UVA Invitational in Charlottesville. That is where the national championship will be held this year at Panorama Farms. Both teams will compete in the fall short run on September 30th in Pennsylvania. And last but certainly not least, football is 1-0, defeating Bowling Green 34-24. First win in the Jamie Chadwell era. Let's go. Up next, the Flames will face New Mexico State in their first ever Conference USA game. Hopefully the Flames can go 2-0, 1-0 in Conference USA. As always, go Flames. All right, shout out Zeke for uh, keeping us in the loop. How awesome is that? 20-1 and to kick off uh, the athletic season. I can't imagine there's many other schools out there that can say the same thing when we're approaching the midway point in September. No, that's amazing. I mean, 21, uh, Richie, you and I and Chad and some others were at a dinner Friday night and we're sitting there following all the games, all the action on our phones. The volleyball team got the win. Uh, we, we did unfortunately, uh, see, uh, men's soccer falter their first time, first loss, the only loss we've had to this point, uh, of all athletic sports, but, uh, not just that there's a couple of these teams that I think have a chance to make some noise on a national stage this year. Field hockey, we know what they've done in the past, playing for a national title two years ago. Um, They're number nine in the country right now. They've got a couple of good wins, a top 10 win over uh, Virginia about a week ago, and a couple of uh, top 25 matches 
coming up for them too. But uh, volleyball and women's soccer are two others that are that have really started off strong, and I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing what what they can do uh, here as we go forward. But uh, back to football, Richie. That's what everybody's tuning in to uh, to our show for some some good old football. Uh, any any final thoughts as as we kind of wrap up the show here tonight as as we go forward to uh, New Mexico State Saturday? I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic again. Uh, they that team can ball out. They have a great offense. Uh, they let up points. I, I I can see this game just turning into a, a who has the ball last. Um, I do feel good at seeing the way that Caden Salter controlled the game, the way that he held on to the ball. That I don't think he ever felt the pressure that you know even up seven was not concerned we drove drove down did what we had to do uh and that composure piece i think was big excited to see the playbook open up a little bit uh there were some players that i you know got a couple uh targets couple touches that i I think will expand a little bit but when when you're in a shootout that's just going to happen naturally but overall i think week one was just an incredible experience shout out to everyone that I got to meet face to face, meeting them from Twitter. Liberty Twitter is such a an interesting place, such a special place, and getting to meet so many of those people live and in person at the tailgate, uh, at the game, just walking around and being in Lynchburg was such uh, an awesome experience. So, John, any final words? No, I'm just looking forward to the game. An- another uh, game that that uh, I'm a little nervous about. I feel better than I did last week just because we've been able to see the Flames in action once. I think they'll they'll show a lot of improvement week one to week two. Uh, Diego Pavia, we all know what he did last year. We probably didn't mention his name quite enough tonight, but uh, six touchdowns he accounted for against the Flames. And and I know some of the guys on that defense aren't going to forget about that, uh, the guys that are back. And and uh, Kendy Charles probably going to miss a second straight week as – as the Flames will be shorthanded on the, the front of the defensive line. But I thought the guys that stepped in for him, Chris Body, I thought, thought he played really well. And and uh hate to say you you didn't miss him because we did, but Chris Body stepped right in and played very well for him. But uh, really looking forward to it. Let's get out to 2-0. and Let's get out to 1-0 Conference USA play, and, and let's keep this train moving, uh, keep plugging along under uh, Coach Chadwell. Absolutely. And as always, uh, make sure that you – uh, like, subscribe to us on YouTube. It helps us uh, helps us out a bunch. Uh, subscribe, Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, all that stuff. And just remember, stay blessed, stay hydrated, and stay fly. We'll see you next week. Go Flames. Go Flames.